Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Blog Talk Radio. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your host, Kathy Barrett. Good morning, or I should say good afternoon. This is Kathy Barrett, and welcome to Behind the Curtain, a show about how we navigate down the not-so-yellow brick road of life. And life is something we shouldn't do alone. So I hope you'll spend the next 30 minutes with me as I reveal what's behind the curtain this week. I cannot believe that we are just a few weeks away from closing out the year 2011. It's such a great time for reflection, and the next few shows are designed for us to do just that. Today we will be examining the question of what it takes to be something beyond greatness. What are those elements and personality traits that make some of us perform heroic and unselfish acts to be of service to others? And how do these acts inspire the rest of us and why? And we will close the the, uh, end of the year with a powerful one-hour show. Our special guest is Jana Arshinskaya Dawson, a Holocaust survivor whose piano skills ended up saving her life during World War II. When she was 14, living in the Ukraine, her family was rounded up by the Nazis, and on their way to being executed, her father bribed a Ukrainian guard to look the other way while his daughters escaped into the forest. Jana survived, but her family did not, and she was forced to hide her Jewish identity and play concerts for the Nazis. Her son Greg, a journalist and author of the book about her incredible journey of survival, which is uh, entitled Hiding in the Spotlight, will also be on the program. So I hope you'll stay tuned as we close out 2011. We have some powerful shows coming your way, and Behind the Curtain wishes to inspire you to begin the new year with a deeper understanding of what is possible when we live with an openness to be inspired by others. Today, I am so excited to have um, Gayatri Nairain, uh is our special guest. Gayatri co-authored the book, Something Beyond Greatness, A Conversation with a Man of Science and a Woman, uh, excuse me, a woman of God. Gayatri has uh, been a Brahma Kumari's representative at the United Nations in New York since 1980, and her role has been to identify areas of UN policies with practical relevance for individuals' lives, to explore and develop values based on spiritual dimensions of these areas, and to create programs and publications to expand awareness through the BK Network, which is in 120 countries. Gayatri, it's so lovely to have you on the program today. Thanks for joining us, and welcome to Behind the Curtain. Thank you, Kathy. It's a pleasure to be with you today. And I must remind you, I'm in a car, and if you hear lots of sirens, then that's an indication we're in New York City. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for doing the show anyway. We know how busy you are and how, you know, hectic your schedule is. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all your wisdom with our listeners today. So, uh, what? A few sirens. We don't mind a few sirens and a little noise. We're all used to it in New York anyway. (laughs) Yeah. 
So uh, tell us, um, you know, what does your work entail as a Brahma Kumari's representative at the United Nations? Well, um, you know, I'd like to call it more being of service than work because there is that element of um, wanting to touch people's lives in ways that they could see whatever the UN is um, grappling with and, uh, you know, dealing with on a day-to-day basis is not so far separated from their daily lives and the practical realities of what the, the challenges they have to face in life. And so I, as a representative of the Brahma Kumaris, come under a category that's called non-governmental organization. And it's basically the people's voice. And we need to um, be aware of and be attentive to the issues that the governments are working with. And then we need to bring that back to the attention of the people in the field, you know, the people through our constituents, and um, inform them of it so that we can then consult with them, we can um, bring it to their attention, we can make it something that they could look at as a reality in their practical lives, and then bring back their voices through our organization again to the United Nations in the form of written statements, oral statements, um, attending UN um, programs, um, working with other non-governmental organizations, doing combined statements, and basically getting the word back to the government of uh, and telling them what the people are really saying about uh, things that they are working on. That sounds pretty like pretty fascinating being of service <laughs> every day. Yes, and you have to see it as being of service because if you see it as work, you're constantly yeah. looking for outcomes. But if you see it as service, then you see it more as a process. And even though um, the impact may be one drop at a time, the fact that you are constantly serving um, in a process way, in a way that that one drop is impactful in a qualitative manner, then the quantitative um, impact um, you know, becomes secondary to the qualitative impact because you know, ultimately it is making the difference in people's lives on an individual basis, in a collective basis, in a one-to-one basis. And I think that is very important to me. That's ex- really excellent advice. And really there's no, if you're not holding on to, you know, to what the outcome is and just being of service, like you say, and just being in the process of it, then there is no up and down, emotional up and down. Oh, we failed at this. Oh, we didn't have more of an outcome here. It should have been like this. You know, there's no judgments and criticisms, and the process is just allowed to flow as it naturally does. Yes, and and when even you have the testimonial of one person, you say, my gosh, if it worked for one person, then there there is that um, possibility of it working for many others. And so it's more of a motivation to say if it worked for one, then it can work for many others, and we just have to keep at it. And so it does become a great motivator to continue serving rather than a damper and your spirits get, you know, dampened and you you just lose the hope that it's not working. No, you have to look for that motivating force and then go with it and make the difference continuously. 
I love that. That's really great advice. So tell us what the Spotlight Values Education Program is about. Well, the Spotlight Values is actually a program that was initiated um, by some young people in the United States and Canada um, as a tribute to the United Nations International Year of Youth, which started in 2010, which was August last year, and actually concluded in August this year, but nothing gets concluded once it started. It just continues. And the real inspiration for me with Spotlight Values was that a, a group of young people came together and conceived and made real an idea that now the spotlight is has to be on the younger voices, has to be on the younger generation, and especially in relation to values, because when we think of values, we think of values more historically. Well, what were the values of freedom in relation to Martin Luther King, or what was the values of um, nonviolence in relation to Mahatma Gandhi? or what was the value of love in relation to Mother Teresa. And so it's always historically with these individuals who have left their mark on our history, and it's really also impacting our presence. But this spotlight values, with spotlighting values in young people's lives and having them talk about what values mean to them in the contemporary world, in their lives as they live it now, and that, for me, is very fascinating. So it's not a historical look at values, but it's the values as is being lived in the now. And so the process that was used for Spotlight Values by these young people, and it was developed by the young people between the ages of 13 and 35, was um, to explore the values in relation to their lives, to express it, which means to give it um, a form, when it is expressed, what does it look like? And then to exchange it, which means to share it with others of their peer group. And um, on the 9th of December, which was last week, we actually presented the report to the United Nations International Year of Youth Secretariat at a very beautiful ceremony in New York City. And the greatness of that, I know you're going to be going on to greatness, but the greatness of that program um, was to see the younger people up front presenting and the younger people talking about values and the younger people talking about the impact of this process on their personal lives but also on the lives of their of their peers, of their colleagues, of, you know, even the teens. And one of the greatest achievements or outcomes of it was that they created something that was called OM Cafes. Because when people are talking about values, they it's usually preachy and prescriptive. But with the cafe-style approach, it was more like they were exploring, they were expressing, and they were exchanging from the reality of their living and not the reality of theory. And so that was one of the achievements of the Spotlight Values. And I, I really want to support this further because I think that somehow the young people have got answers that we need to pay attention to. That sounds really fascinating. And it's true because the young people are experiencing the world in a whole different way than, than any of us have 
ever experienced before because of technology and how quickly uh, technology is changing and moving. So they have a whole different perception. So it is very, very important, I agree with you, to, to hear what they have to say. And that's kind of happening all over the world, I mean, with um, – outbreaks here and there of um, of youthful voices, you know, Occupy Wall Street and all these other groups around the world and other countries that are demanding that people right. hear what they have to say. So it really yeah, is but quite it's, an exciting time. Yeah, but it's Occupy Wall Street in the United States or the anti-corruption in India. You know, it's the young people's voices that are being heard um, in relation to these issues. And we, the Spotlight Values did create a multimedia piece in the form of a website and blog. So it was very much, as you said, this um, aspect of the Internet and of technology and cutting across boundaries and borders and just becoming, you know, coming together in cyberspace, which is a community space in itself of the world, a global community space. And do, do you have that website handy? Um, yes, it's www.spotlightvalues.org. That's fantastic, and I will put that on the up on the web this week um, as we feature your program, so that people can tune in and and uh, look at what you accomplished and get involved in the process as well. So that's that's really exciting. So let's move on to the book now. What inspired you and co-author Judy Rogers, who's Judy is the founder and director of Images and Voices of Hope, to write a book about this particular subject and tell us how the project came into existence. Well, this was a while back. It must have been five or six years ago. And we, um, in which the seed of the idea um, came to us, and that was Daddy Janki, who is the head of the Brahma Kumaris um, World Spiritual University headquartered in India. She was her 90th birthday, and we wow. had because of our deep love, and we said to her that we would like to do something to honor your life, and we would like to do a book on your life, and she thought about it, and she said, no, um, I don't want a book on my life, um, and then we said, okay, but we need to do something for you. And then she says, okay, let me think about it. And we were also thinking about it. And then we went back to her with a suggestion. We said, okay, we won't do a book on your life, but we will do a book dedicated to what you have given your life to, and that is to world service. And then she thought about it, and she said yes. And then we started developing this idea of, okay, we're going to go around the world and we're going to interview people who have given their lives to service, and then we will try to extract the greatness that these people have. Then when we started thinking about it, we said, you know, there are many, many great people in the world who are doing world service, so there must be something else that is there that we really do need to unpack, we really do need to distinguish as the piece that we would like to examine in this um, research that we are about to embark on. And we had someone who was very much important with us. His name is Tex Dunning, and he's a Dutch. He's from the Netherlands. And he was doing a lot of work on greatness. Um, at that time, he was working for Unilever in Asia. And so he then said, why don't we look at the concept of greatness 
but not so much as the work that they were doing um, in terms of output or the measurable um, impact of it, but look at it as the characteristic within the human being that put them not just in the realm of greatness, but put them in the realm of something that is beyond greatness, that they do it nevertheless. They, they would, um, it was as though there was a force, you know, like in Star Wars, use the force, Luke, use the force. There was this force behind them that was really compelling them to do things that their own human capacity wasn't allowing for. And so when we, you know, we continued developing the whole thing, um, the whole project of the book, um, this aspect of something beyond greatness as being an instrument for something bigger became very, very clear. And I think it really epitomized what Daddy Janke's life stood for because um, not only does she see, as we call her a woman of God in the book, she sees things as purely um, an instrument consciousness with an instrument consciousness, but she feels that she's always representing God or something bigger. And so whatever she's doing has no limitations. It's almost unlimited in terms of the capacity of what she can do. And now she's 95. She's still traveling the world. She's still doing great things, even though her body's a little bit weaker, surely. But her spirit has got such a capacity that it moves beyond limitations and moves into this realm of something beyond greatness. Yes, and I had the uh, the pleasure, thanks to you, several years ago to meet her. And I know of what you speak about, um, having met her firsthand, she is really extraordinary. And um, I remember at the time I was quite ill, and I was able to uh, talk with her through an interpreter. Sister Mohini was there. And I remember her saying to me, um, you know, I, I want you to remove the thought of illness from your mind, you know. And at the time I was saying thinking, Oh my God, how am I going to do this? You know, I'm I'm I in my mind I was dying, you know, I just didn't think I was gonna make it. And uh and and I expressed that and she said, No, 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 just you know, just remove the thought from your mind. You you are not ill. Just let it go. Just remove it. And then she said, Look into my eyes and take what you need. And Boy, you know, it it was just really a turning point in my life because in that moment, I really got that I didn't feel like I deserved to take anything. Mm -hmm. And as that thought came up and presented itself, I became very emotional. And Mm -hmm. when they asked me what you know, what was going on, I said, I don't feel like I, I could do that. I, I I don't deserve that. And she said, no, that's exactly what you need to do. And I released it and surrendered and let it go. And that was a turning point for my own emotional healing because I didn't realize until that point how low my self-esteem was, you know, because it was kind of covered up by this bravado. And I know I'm getting off in a personal um, thing here, but I just really want people to know how pure her energy is and how her intentions were so pure in that the only thing she wanted in that moment was to try to be of service to me. And that's exactly, and created that, you know, safe environment in this crowded room where there were hundreds of other people waiting to to meet her, where she was able to connect to me on a one-to-one um, instant like that, I thought was one of the most remarkable things that ever happened to me in my life. 
So, Kathy, it's very important you share that story because at the the root of this thing that we are calling something beyond greatness, um, whether it was Umberto Maturana, the scientist, or whether it was Daddy Janke, the one from the spiritual perspective, what they um, identified as um, very, very important as the vital ingredient for something beyond greatness was love. And I think that um, the whole book focuses on this aspect of love, in which when there is this experience of love, it is as though something opens up in the human soul that makes the impossible possible. Something opens up that tells the individual that, you know, I can do this, whether it's for a stranger. I can jump on that New York subway and save someone, leaving my two daughters on the platform. Something bigger opens, but what the, the, the virtue or the power that opens it up is that natural ability of uh, the human soul to love. And I think that that was when you said, she said, look into my eyes and take whatever you want. She was just opening a space of love for you to move into and then for you to dip into that and to feel your worth, that you actually can take anything in this world that you want to take. I think that was a very beautiful story you shared because it really made it clear what we're dealing with when we're looking at these subtler dimensions of life and how practical they could be. Yes. Very much so. And let's uh, share with the folks, um, because your man of science is quite a fascinating um, individual uh, in his own right. Um, do you want to share a little bit about him? Or Yes. Umberto Maturana is a Chilean biologist. He is from Chile in South, uh, in South America. And he is actually um, working on something that's called cognitive biology and the biology of love. And the premise of his um, research as a scientist is that human beings are, by nature, loving beings. They are emotional beings. And he gives the example of when a child is born. The child is born in trust. The child is born trusting that the world is there to take care of it. Um, the world is there to feed it. The world is there to house it. The world is there to clothe it. The world is there to provide for all its rights. The child does not come into the world kicking and screaming and very panicky and afraid that it wouldn't be cared for, it wouldn't be taken care of. And so he then says from a biological perspective um, that human beings are by nature trusting and loving. And then, of course, everything that he looks at in terms of human behavior is either in alignment with that or it's not in alignment with that. Because as we grow up and as we live in this world, we remove ourselves from that natural state in which we were born. So this is the, you know, the kind of the core of his um, research that he's doing. So he was like a very um, important person to really respond to the stories that we um, collected from different people's experiences in life. And he was commenting on it from a scientific perspective, this biology of love, 
And Daddy Janke was commenting on those stories from a spiritual perspective. And as you said earlier to me, they were very complimentary. They were actually not, um, you know, at odds. They were actually very complimentary. Which is quite unusual in, in our, you know, society is always kind of pitching, you know, science against religion. So I thought that was really quite beautiful that these two were in in alignment. They may have come to their conclusions with different thought patterns and how they derived, you know, to what they came to, but it was um, it was really arriving at the same conclusion. And you know, um, in arriving at those conclusions, what was fascinating for me was the fact that they were these stories that people shared were not stories that were, you know. Um, Unusual. They were not stories that were that you wouldn't have heard of um, at some point of time in your life. They were stories that ordinary people were sharing, and within the ordinary stories, um, they were able to see greatness in those stories. And so the whole book is saying that you know the things that we do in a day-to-day basis. And sometimes when we do them with, when our hearts open and when we are able to act from our heart, when we are able to see with love, when we are at the right time in the right place, and it is as though we have to do this, once it's done, we shouldn't just dismiss it from our lives as though, you know, anyone could have done it. Okay, anyone could have done it, but the opportunity was given to me to do something. And when I could sit and reflect on that opportunity that was given to me to do that particular great act, then I start appreciating that perhaps life gives more opportunities than challenges. And even within the challenges that I have to face, there's always an opportunity to do something that could be put in a category of greatness. And I think we get so bogged down with the things of life that we just don't see these opportunities because we stop seeing life in a loving way. Yes, I I agree with you. And that's a really great point because any challenge um, can be turned into... Um, is something that becomes a masterpiece, in my opinion. But it's it's really the way that we choose to handle it, you know, what direction we choose to go in. And um, so uh, what was the most surprising insight that you took away from working on this project? Um, uh, One was the complementarity between the two, um, the spiritualist and the scientist. And I'll tell you one of the surprising things. One was um, we asked the question to um, Daddy Janke, um, do you believe in God? And she went, yes, I believe in God. I believe God is the one who inspires me. I believe I'm an instrument of God. And then we asked Umberto, do you believe in God? And he says, I cannot um deny people's experiences when they say they believe in God. Because as a scientist, everything we do, all our assumptions are actually based on experiences. So experience is an authority that I can never doubt. However, if you were to ask me that question for myself, I wouldn't say I believe in God, 
but I would say I live in the kingdom of God. And so I think that that was something that was very surprising for me as a takeaway that, you know, when someone is genuinely um, in inquiry, they wouldn't deny anything. They wouldn't deny the possibility of the existence of anything because that would be the end of inquiry. And so that's what I took away with me, that as I live my life, even as a spiritual person, I must not close doors saying that, you know, I don't believe in that, so it doesn't exist. But I must always be in inquiry because it is the inquiry that is going to allow me to see things differently than what these two, you know, physical eyes could see, but I would be able to see things at a very subtle and a very deep way. And even though I can't prove their existence, I can't deny the existence. Well, that, I believe, is the perfect way to end this segment because I don't know <laughs> how you could say it any better than that. I just want to tell listeners that the name of the book is Something Beyond Greatness. It is a wonderful read and a wonderful gift to give out this holiday season. It's Conversations with a Man of Science and a Woman mm-hmm. of God, Judy Rogers and Gayatri Nairine. Have, uh, are the authors and Gayatri it has been such a pleasure to have you on the program we wish you much success with the book Something Beyond Greatness and again um, thank you for the amazing work that you do and uh, I look forward to seeing you in 2012 and uh, love to all my BK friends thank you very much Kathy and I'd like to take this opportunity to wish everyone who's listening to us and who will be listening to your future programs because they sound fantastic for the rest of the year a wonderful, wonderful, happy holidays. Thank you, Gayatri, and thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, next week, folks, we're going to have the co-author of uh, Something Beyond Greatness, Judy Rogers. Uh, she will be on the program. Judy Rogers um, is someone herself who is something beyond greatness. So be sure to tune in so you can hear about her work. Uh, she is the founder and director of um, Voices and Images of Hope, And um, let's see, I really love spending this half hour with you. As we flow through this holiday season, take some time to be the change you want to see in the world. Do one spontaneous thing a day for someone else. Just one little simple, unselfish act of kindness and see where it takes you. This is Kathy Barrett, and it's been great to have you take this journey with me. I'm sending you a virtual hug from behind the curtain. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll join me. love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 